0: One of the best parts about being dad is uh, lots of good things, but story time at the end of the day. Uh, I don't know if you have story time in your house. Uh, book that I have come to love, Alexander and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Have you heard of this book before? It's a classic. Judith Vorst. Judith Vorst, I think that's correct. Uh, Pastor Michelle, I think Mr. Er, Calling is a children's pastor. She did a great job uh, filling in this morning, minus the turtle part of that story. Uh, But that was very funny. Uh, But I want to read some of this book. If you've never, ever heard of this book, it's a a great one. Uh, Some illustrations are going to be on the screen. I will show all of them around in case you can see them along the way there. It's uh, the story of this boy named Alexander, and he says this, I went to sleep with gum in my mouth, and now there's gum in my hair. And when I got out of the bed this morning, I tripped on the skateboard, and by my mistake, I dropped my sweater in the sink while the water was running. And I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Did your teacher do that when you were? Okay. At breakfast, Anthony found a Corvette Stingray car kit in his breakfast cereal box. Nick found a junior undercover agent code ring in his breakfast cereal box. But in my breakfast cereal box, all I found was breakfast cereal. I think I'll move to Australia. Now, I'm going to skip along a little bit. At school, Mrs. Dickens liked Paul's picture of the sailboat better than my picture of the invisible castle. At singing time, she said I sang too loud. At counting time, she said I left out 16. Who needs 16? I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. I could tell because Paul said I wasn't his best friend anymore. He said that Philip Parker was his best friend and that Albert Moyo was his next best friend and I was his third best friend. And I hope you sit on a tack, I said to Paul. (laughs) (laughs) I hope the next time you get a double-decker strawberry ice cream cone, the ice cream part falls off the cone part and lands in Australia. That's what it is, because, skipping ahead, because after school my mom took us all to the dentist and Dr. Fields found a cavity just in me. Come back next week and I'll fix it, said Dr. Fields. Next week, I said, I'm going to Australia. When we picked up my dad at his office, he said I couldn't play with his copy machine, but I forgot. He also said to watch out for the books on his desk. And I was careful as I could except for my elbow. He also said, don't fool around with this phone, but I think I called Australia. (laughs) My dad said, please don't pick him up anymore. It was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. There were lima beans for dinner, and I hate lima beans. There was kissing on TV, and I hate kissing. Obviously, this is not a teenager we're talking to. Um, My bath was too hot. I got soap in my eyes. My marble went down the drain, and I had to wear my railroad train pajamas. And I hate my railroad train pajamas. When I went to bed, Nick took back the pillow he said I could keep, and the Mickey Mouse nightlight burned out, and I bit my tongue. The cat wants to sleep with Anthony, not with me. It was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. My mom, so, my mom says that some days are like that, even in Australia. Have you ever had a very bad, no good, horrible, awful day before where it just seems like there was just a comedy of errors that took place in your life, and it just, everything fell apart uh, like our friend Alexander. Take a second, if you're sitting near a friend, share uh, maybe that, what that experience was like. Maybe it's a recent uh, occurrence of what an awful day looked like and just one thing after another. If you're not new when you're a friend, make a new friend right now and share your very bad, awful, horrible uh, day story. Now there's some days, uh, there's some days that are almost, they're so bad, they're comical, you want to like write down your experiences and people have blogged about it, you can uh, Google that on the internet machine about their very bad, no good days and some of those are just so bad that you just have to laugh at it and you just know just there's the next day and then there's other days where it's so bad and the news that you receive it's so devastating, it feels like you get, got kicked in the gut. Have you ever had one of those days before? The disciples were having one of those days. Um, and we're in this series about the upper room. And disciples, I mean, they just got kick after kick after kick in the gut. Just devastating news after devastating news. They were in the upper room, and as Pastor Garrett was talking last week, he shared about how he washed their feet. And what a beautiful scene where Jesus gave us this demonstration of what a king really should look like, and a Christian should, someone who serves. And he's there, and, and to be honest, I don't know if this is the visual you have with an upper room, but scholars tell us that this is probably the most accurate kind of looking table that, have, that it, it would have been. Now, in my mind, I've got, back in the day of uh, the church I grew up, that carpeted velvet thing that hang in the, hung in the fellowship hall, it's the, you know, the Da Vinci picture of the Last Supper where Jesus is in the middle, but most likely, scholars tell us he was probably about right here. And to his right was uh, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, and to his left, Judas. Now we know what was going to happen that night. We, we, we've read the story. Jesus announces in the midst of this kind of festive, festive atmosphere, he says, you know, one of you is going to betray me. He takes a piece of bread and he talks about the one who, who dips in the, in the bowl. He is going to be the one that betrays me. And we know the story. Judas was the one. And Judas leaves. Talk about a kick in the gut. These guys have been together for three years. They've lived together. They've ministered together. They've, they've eaten together. They've, they've seen a lot of different events happen together. And now one of their own Jesus declares he's going to betray and then Jesus says this, another kick I'm about to leave you guys and where I am going, you, you, you can't go, you can't follow I don't know if their mouths dropped because even though that Jesus had been foreshadowing this to come him announcing it in this, this moment it just suddenly hit home wait a second, you're you're supposed to be the Messiah that comes in. We just came in a couple of, 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 of days ago with, with palm branches waving. Hosanna was sung. You're going to be the king. You're going to take over. And what? You're, you're, you're leaving now? And then Peter, he was probably sitting over there, some say. And Peter, he pipes up and says, well, well Jesus, I'll, I'll, I'll go with you wherever. No matter where it is, I'll go. And I wonder if the eye contact was so intense when, when Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Peter, you, you can't go with me. In fact, you're about to deny me three times. Whew. Another kick. Not only to Peter, but to everyone. This is their leader. And this news, these shots to the the gut, they, they just kind of I wonder if there was just a silence in the room. I don't know if you've ever received devastating news like that before. And what does Jesus say? He looks at them. I I wonder if the silence, how long it lasted, but he he looks at them and says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, You, you trust in God. Trust also in me. Trust also in me. It's hard to trust in those moments, isn't it? Let's just be honest. We just have trust issues all over the place. I read a a recent survey that said only a third of Americans now trust other citizens. Only a third in our country. Why don't we trust? (laughs) Maybe it's because we can't trust the news. We can't trust seemingly politicians and what people say because... Before you know it, a cross story will come out, and we don't know what's the truth. We can't trust, certainly, uh, emails from princesses in, uh, or princes in uh, foreign countries that are seeking uh, money because they need release from some place, these kind of hack emails that we get. By the way, Don Larrabee, I don't know if you're here, uh, your computer was, email was hacked, unless you've started using the word SUP sup, <laughs> uh, and I don't think you have, I don't think you have. So you might want to check that. But we get emails all the time, and we don't know what to open. We're scared to death because, uh, you know, just these things that we, we just can't trust. We just can't really trust anybody. You know, I, I, you see that even when I go to the grocery store. I felt this other day, I'm, I'm putting in my debit card, and suddenly i got to put in the code, you know. And I'm like, hey, look over there. <laughs> or you're... You know, you don't want to put your hands up, because that just feels weird. I mean, but, but now they've even got the little things around it. Have you seen those? You could cover up the numbers. and, You know, but you feel like, man, with all the stuff we hear about uh, identity theft and things that are out there, it, I think we're almost wise to be to be afraid. Why don't we trust? We don't trust because there are Lindsay open chains in the world. And uh, when I was 16 years old, me and Lindsay Openchain and I, we were just going to, we just knew that was going to last forever, as you do when you're 15 or 16 years old. And uh, we were had a, a, a very strong, strong, long relationship of about, I think, three weeks. And, um, man, I just knew for sure uh, Lindsay was going to be the one. Thankfully, she wasn't. Uh, but uh, one day, Lindsay comes to me, and she says, Matt, I've got some, I got some news. I I think, I think we need to have a break. I think we need to go on a, we were on a break. We need to have a break because, you know, I want to focus on schoolwork. Who focuses on schoolwork? No one does. I should have seen it coming. Uh, But she says, you need to focus on, I need to focus on schoolwork. I think we just need some, some space. And uh, then we'll see what, you know, how things go from there. Coincidentally, uh, we had a winter retreat uh, the very next weekend, and great winter retreat like, you know, like ours have been, and having a good time, and I'm playing ball, and, and great services and stuff, and... For some reason, I needed to go and get something out of the church van that was behind the chapel of our winter retreat. And I go around the corner, and who is there but Lindsay and my friend Jeremy, and they are playing tonsil hockey uh, behind the chapel. For those who don't know what that means, ask Pastor Michelle afterwards today. Devastation. Why don't we trust? Because there are Lindsay Obichai's in the world. <laughs> From then force, her name was Lindsay Uh And we'll have to edit the names out of this uh, podcast in the next week. But there are situations like, why, why can't we trust? We, we can't trust because when we hear things like about Jesus and the Father and And I talk to teenagers, and to be honest, we live in the fatherless generation. That's what we're calling this kind of time period now. As I've talked to teenagers and I've seen the devastation of not having fathers present, and we hear the word father, not very good connotations are there. I think of conversations that I've had through the years and how that's affected kids. Specifically one in Florida where a girl said, why doesn't my dad want to hang out with me? Why doesn't my dad want to have anything to do with me? And so we begin to think of God the Father. And it's pretty easy why some of those feelings would transfer when we hear that word. Trust. It's hard for us. Sometimes it's even hard for us to trust God. There's a video, or a skit that we've actually done here before. Uh, but just every time I think about trust, I think of trust falling. And uh, this is a skit about... Uh, I'm having a trust fall.
1: Jesus, I just don't trust you.
2: You don't trust me?
1: No, I mean, I want to trust you. I just don't.
2: <laughs> I have an exercise that I think will really help you. Oh, OK. Stand here and face this direction.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, do you trust me?
1: Uh, no, I just said I don't trust you. All
2: right, well, this is all part of the exercise. Oh, all right? right okay. Whenever I ask you if you trust me, you say, yes, Jesus, I trust you.
1: Even though I don't.
2: It's practice. OK. So do you trust me? <laughs>
1: Yes, Jesus, I trust you.
2: Now, fall back.
1: Are you going to catch me?
2: Don't worry about that part. Okay,
1: that's the part I'm worried about.
2: (laughs) You can do this, okay? Just trust me. Trust you. Fall back.
1: Okay, well, Jesus, I trust you. (laughs) Yes, I do trust you. I'm
2: going to fall back. Okay. (laughs)
1: That's
2: great. Let's try this again. Just face this direction and keep your feet planted, all right? Do you trust me?
1: Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. OK, I'm going to do it. All right. I'm really going to do it. <laughs> <Okay>. Good. Ah! <laughs> oh, Jesus! You're-
2: You're ready for level
1: two! Level two, here yes. I, yes. I come, baby! Woo! Oh. Whoa!
2: Okay, hold it.
1: Oh, you know what? You're too close. You need to move back. Ah, right. Yes,
2: okay. <laughs> this one's a little bit different, Laura. Oh, okay. Uh, stand here. Uh-huh. But face me.
1: Woo! Oh, forward fall. Okay. I can do that. Wait. Whoa.
2: Okay, um, wait for my signal.
1: Oh, right, the Jesus signal.
2: Yes, the okay. Jesus signal. Do you trust me?
1: Yes, Jesus, I trust you so much!
2: Good. Fall back.
1: That's awesome! It is
2: awesome. (laughs) Especially when you do it.
1: Uh, Seriously? Of course. Okay, Jesus, I don't know if you notice this, but there is nobody over there!
2: I know it looks that way to you.
1: It looks that way. It is that way.
2: You can do this, Laura. Just trust me and fall back. Jesus, I can't do that. We can do it together. I can't. You can. I won't.
0: Wow. It's a little too close to home. Jesus, uh, he asked to, for us to trust him. Trust me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And he continues on and he says this. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, we're in John chapter 14. If it were not so, I would have told you. That I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be there with me. That you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. In my Father's house are many... Now, if you have a King James Version Bible, you have the word mansions. Exactly. Now, does anyone else see kind of just a strange thing there? In my Father's house are many mansions mansions house mansion fits into a house that just kind of seems strange doesn't it I, and i and i don't want to knock the translation but i think it is slightly not exactly what what Jesus is trying to 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 tell us through this passage today as we as we look at trust when i think of mount mansions what comes to mind when you think of a mansion Big giant, house. yep. Big huge giant, yep. Uh, when I was a kid, if if you uh, there's two things you I was you know little kid two things to have a mansion, swimming pool, and if you had stairs, uh, if you had stairs in your house, uh, and I know we grew up in small town in Alabama, but if you had stairs and if you had a pool, you were rich and you lived in a mansion, uh, and so that was a thing. That's not exactly I think what he's trying to tell us here. I think the better translation really is the one that maybe you've heard in an audio adrenaline song that says this. It's a big, big house with lots and lots of room, a big, big table with lots and lots of food, a big, big, where we can football. Wow, man, some youth group kids here. Uh, it's an l- older song. You can uh, Google it later on. But what I think he's trying to give us this image of is this huge house where there are actually dwelling places inside. And the word here for dwelling place or a or, or, or room is actually this r- word uh, Monet. Think of the painter. Uh, I think it was Claude. M-O-N-E. Monet. It's this dwelling place. It's this kind of place it within the home, this intimate uh, location. Think about Psalm 23, 6 when it says this, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When I think mansion, I think distant. I think quarter of a mile, there's a huge gate and an entranceway and maybe a star of Texas or lions or something like that. And there's this distance and there's this big mansion and everyone's kind of separated. And I don't know if that's the image that you have of heaven, but I don't know if that's necessarily accurate. I'm, I'm kind of worrisome of maybe some people's opinion of what heaven's going to be like. We start to pick these pictures of golf courses and resorts kind of locations and sitting by the pool and whatever you insert there into your heaven uh, image there. But it's this like kind of resorts vacation like place. And, and what I think Jesus has given an image of heaven here is this dwelling place, this place where there's community and there's connection and there's closeness. There is a, a cartoon. This is another kids' reference, but it's it's a cartoon of I think it's Grover on Sesame Street, and he's always playing the game near and far. Have you seen that? Far, near, far, near. And he runs up to the camera and back and forth. Maybe that's Elmo. Is that Elmo? I'm looking at the teacher's grover. Far, near, far, near. Jesus, God, he wants near. He doesn't want far. Okay, he doesn't want, hey, we'll we'll meet once a week for for dinner in heaven. It's not like that. It's this intimate community, this place where there's near, (laughs) Not far, near, not far. So that's the image he gives us as we think about this trust and and, and what Jesus is trying to communicate. Let's go back to verse 3, and it says this. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This may be the most controversial verse in the entire Bible, especially in our day and age. It is a verse that's, if, if you throw that out there, you might be accused of being, a, well, you're just a closed-minded Christian. To say that there's just one way. That's just too exclusive to say that. Can I, can I just tell you today, and I, and I want to say this as graciously as possible, that is what the Word of God says. That's what Jesus communicates. And we live in a very pluralistic society where, to be honest, we don't want to step on toes. And so we say, well, that's okay for you. And this is okay for me. Well, Jesus communicates very, very clearly, very clearly that I am the way. I'm going to prepare a place. So how is he preparing this place? How, what is this way? The way that we have this, this, this path to heaven is only one way. And that is through the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's why we celebrate this Lenten season. That's why it's so significant. If we took the cross out of who we are, then we are nothing. We have no way. There is no path. Without Jesus, there's no heaven. There's no connection to the Father. We have nothing. We have no hope. But we do have hope. We do have a way. We do have a a price that was paid our sins. And my fear, my fear that in the generation that we live in, in the buffet faith world that we have, where I'll pick and I'll choose what I believe, my fear is essentially we're becoming God. And we're picking and choosing what truth is. But Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I'm the. Lie. I'm the truth. There is a, a series of conferences uh, known as the TED conferences, and they basically it's idea idea sharing with between like the business world. And uh, there was a uh, a philosopher by the name of Onora O'Neill who spoke at one of the TED conferences, and she talked about this issue of trust and how in our society that we just have major trust issues. I mean, there was a recent poll I saw that just kind of. Uh, rank some of the, the professional, professionals that are out there and how society trusts uh, different professions. Number one on the list has been for a while. Does anyone know? 82% of people trust nurses. Nurses. I don't know if it's the glowing face or the fact that uh, you got nurses do some amazing things, but nurses are trusted. Uh, very on the bottom of the list, bottom of the list. Pretty predictable. Politicians, specifically lobbyists are the very last thing. It's like 4% of people trust lobbyists. I don't know why. Uh, But uh, what makes me sad, though, it's pretty sad, uh, just above lawyers just by a handful of percentage, clergy, 47%. Wow. Wow. There's this lack of trust. And she talks about that. and, And and in her talk, uh, she says something pretty, I thought was funny. She says, you know what, we want to just incorporate more trust, but you know what I think? And she says this, I think that's, there's kids in the room, that's S-T-U-P-I-D. You know what, that's just S-T-U-P-I-D. You know what, we, we don't necessarily need more trust, but we need to put our trust in more people that are trust." worthy. We need to put our trust into people that are trustworthy. I don't want to put my trust in somebody that's not trustworthy. We don't want to just increase trust to people that aren't worthy of it, but we need to find things that are worthy of our trust. And she says that there's three ways that you can tell if somebody's worthy of, of trust. If th- that person is competent, if that person is honest, and if that person is reliable. Competent, honest, reliable. Now, You're going through your scroll of friends, maybe, and you're saying, okay, I think that person is competent. I think that person is honest. But you know what? If I told them to mail something on Friday, it's going to be four weeks after that. They're not very reliable, okay? So trustworthy, eh." or maybe they're reliable and they're honest, but (laughs) not so high on the competent side, okay? Maybe you have friends like that. But what's, what is, is, is thought of and that and said here that, that we need to find trust, trustworthy people. And can I tell you today, with the confidence of the Word of God, that Jesus is trustworthy. Jesus is someone that you can put your trust in. Why? Why? As we look in, in the Word, He's not just speaking truth. He is truth personified. He is the the, the, the Lord that came down and lived amongst us. And he made statements and he made promises. Not just I promise this or that, but he basically said who he was. And he gave us an image of who God is. And he starts to talk, begins to tell us things that, that basically illustrating that he is good. That he is honest. That he is someone that we can trust. And, and we see that through his life and through who he is. John one 17 says this, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John 8.31-32 If you hold to my teach, teaching, you are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He is good. Jesus is faithful. He will not leave you. And when he says that, he means it. He's not just throwing something out there. When he says that I'm not going to forsake you, he's just not making that up. When the word tells us that, you know what, even though bad things happen in this world, God's going to take those bad things and use them for the good, that's not just church talk. That's the truth. That's what God wants in our lives. And when he tells us that he's going to prepare a place for us and that he wants to give us peace, and that he is with us. He's not just distant, but he is present. That's not a lie. And it's hard for us sometimes maybe to trust in the middle of a society of untrust. But Jesus is saying, trust me. Trust me. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Let's keep reading. It says this, if you had really known me, verse 7, you would know my, who my Father is. From now on, you do know me, him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us. Let's see with our eyes. She would, show us the Father and then we'll be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still don't know, know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me, who does his work through me. Just believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have, have seen me do. There's a classic youth uh, ministry uh, lesson of uh, different word Greek words for love. Do you remember that one? The youth pastor, whoever asked, or the pastor asked, uh, what are some things that you love? And the kids or the audience would say, I love pizza, and I love uh, Camaros, especially yellow ones, and I love, you know, just list all these things that we love. And uh, then, then he, would say, you know, he would say something like, well, do you love pizza like you love your mama? Uh, well, well, no. And it just kind of is a demonstration of how we use this word love Maybe you do love pizza like you do your mama. Uh, But there's this demonstration of that although we use this one word for love, it actually, in the Greek, there are various words that you can use for that. There are three words uh, that you can use for for love. Do you remember those from the lesson? Agape love, which is like unconditional love. Then there's uh, phile, which is where we get the word Philadelphia, which is like brotherly love. And uh, what's the other one? Any? Eros. That's like, uh, that's a different kind of love I haven't described. Uh, that's, uh, you can talk to Michelle about that kind of love uh, afterwards. Man, this is too easy. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's, so there's these different words for love. And uh, so what the, sa- the same thing is happening here in this passage, and it's very important. And it's uh, these two Greek words that, you know, I don't like to just throw out Greek words, but the word oida and the word. Gnosko, the word oida, and the word gnosko. Oida. Let's talk about oida first. When we talk about to know, to know in the oida sense, when someone uses that word, it's like, I know players on the Cubs. I know random facts about songs. I know enough to be decent at that game. Quiz up if you're playing that. This, at all that app. There's just kind of random facts that you know about things, but that's it. They're kind of just these random facts. But this word, gnosko, when, when we hear this, this part about, why didn't you know me? Why don't, Philip, why don't you know me? We've been together. You may know about me, but you don't know know me. You don't, you don't know who I am. My friend, Robbie, uh, growing up, he was a Bible quizzer. And he quizzed, If you, any quizzers out there, he quizzed on the book of John. He memorized the whole book of John, the whole thing. Word for word is a Bible quizzer. It was amazing. Robbie, last time I checked, is an atheist now. Robbie memorized. He knew the facts, but he didn't gnosko. He, he, he had oida knowledge of God, but he didn't gnosco God. When I was at Trevecca, the greatest uh, Nazarene University in the land, uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, My sophomore year, I was put in a suite, suite 205, second floor. And the way suites work at Trevecca, there are uh, three double rooms and a single room. And at Benson Hall, uh, with these ugly cinder block rooms that are there. uh, So there's two double rooms and a single room. And I was paired up with these guys, and I knew them sort of. I had OIDA knowledge of them. I knew about them a little bit, their names, kind of maybe played some ball together. But I really didn't know these guys. And as kind of luck would have, it, we were paired up with these guys, Mark, Matt, Adam, Daniel, Chip. And something happened that year. I mean, it was maybe the greatest year, definitely in my college years. We would hang out all the time. We, we, were li- we were living together. But it wasn't just living together. It was just pastors in the night. We would spend time together. We would study together. We would watch shows together, like countless hours. And back in the day, they didn't have cable in the dorms. And uh, these kids today and their spoiled cable. Um, but we had like three channels. And so we watched religiously for some reason. I have no reason. I don't have reasons why. But Conan O'Brien... Uh, we had tapes of The Andy Griffith Show, and we had tapes of 90210. Um, and I don't know why how 90210 got thrown in there. I'm just going to say it's my friend Mark Snodgrass, because uh, he does listen to the podcast. Um, we would watch these videos together, and we would eat together, and we would order pizza at like 3 in the morning, Papa John's special, 725. And we were terrible tippers, but we would spend life together. We're eating and watching these shows, and, and it wasn't just that. It was more than that. We went through experiences together. We went through some pretty heavy uh, experiences, some devastating loss. We had some highs, uh, new girlfriends. We had some lows, bad, bad, bad breakups. We had moments where we cried together. We had moments of doubt. I remember specifically the nights that uh, I was just wrestling with what Jesus, what God was calling me to do. And friends, uh, In a church like this I came down to an altar a church of about a thousand and the church service was over and as that happened sometimes people would stay at the altar and pray and I did that and there was no one left in the house that night except for six friends We didn't just know each other; we knew each other. There was a bond that took place, that happened there that year. To this day, when we get together, it's it's still there. Um, I wish that I could go back, and we could, and we sometimes try to do that, just live in, in that year. But the bond is still there. That that gnosko to know someone. Let me tell you, friends. Jesus wants to know you. He's not satisfied with just you knowing random facts about him. He's he's not satisfied with you living a a distance far off from him in a mansion that's, hey, you're just the, the vehicle to get to heaven. He wants an intimate relationship with you. He's wanted that from the very beginning, from Adam and Eve, when he would walk with them and talk with them and, and, and have these moments. And I don't know if you've had those moments with Jesus where your spirit bears witness to his spirit. And it's not just random facts. It's not just checking something off a list, but there is a bond that is, that is brought together. And what Jesus tells us, he promised us, is us later on in the chapter, you know, I'm gonna leave, I'm going to bring you someone, a counselor, the Holy Spirit. And just like Jesus and God have this connection, we talk about the Trinity and how they have this connection, the Holy Spirit, and this, and actually the word here, it's pretty amazing. It's basically the same word except in the verb form of that, remember that dwelling place, that Monet? It's that same action word, that how there is this house and there's this togetherness that's there. And what Jesus has said, just like there's a togetherness between me and God and the Holy Spirit, there is this together. We want to bring that together for you and for me. And you're going to have that through the Holy Spirit. And he's not just going to live beside you like I have. He's going to live in you. He's going to live in you. So back to the table. Trust me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust me. Jesus is trustworthy. Jesus Jesus is worthy of our trust. Why? Because he loves you. And he desires this relationship. And he is for you. Now, sometimes we use that phrase a lot. Trust in God. Trust in God. That's maybe even a trust. That's even a church phrase. Trust. You just trust in God in that situation. Trusting God. We even have it on our money. In God we trust. We have it in the Pledge of Allegiance. Not the trust part, but one nation under God. A couple of years ago, they they had a, a court case. And basically, you know, it was one of those church versus state things where they were trying to get that phrase out of the Pledge of Allegiance. It was back in, uh, I think it was 2004. Elk Grove United uh, Unified School District versus uh, Newdow in 2004. And basically this is what they decided. They decided that let's keep it in there. Let's keep it in there, the phrase under God. And this is why they, they said they were gonna keep it. These acts of ceremonial deism are protected from Established the Establishment Clause scrutiny chiefly because they have lost through rot repetition any significant religious content. We just say it. We just say it all the time. Trust, 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 trust in God and God under God, and it doesn't mean anything. There's this book, uh, Christian Atheists, by Craig Rochelle. And he talks about a chapter in there. It was like, and he says this, basic Christian atheist, someone that says they believe, they say, but they don't really live and act out. They're just kind of playing the part. And so they say and act like Jesus and God exists, but their life doesn't look like that at all. And when there's a chapter about it, it, it says, I am a, a, a Christian, but I, I still have worry and fear in my life. And essentially talks about and paints this picture about how I, I say that I trust in God, but I really don't. And there are moments in our life and there are days that we get kicked in the gut multiple times. I don't know if you've had a week like that this week. Or maybe you've had a year like that many years. And Jesus is saying, trust me. I love you. I'm for you. I'm going to work it out. I have a plan for you and I have a future for you. Not just in heaven, but I want it for here and for now. Maybe this morning you've given God some lip service, but you're really not trusting him. There's are some areas in your life that you're just, you're just torn up about because, to be honest, you really haven't given those things to God. You really haven't let, let go of those things. You really haven't trusted him. You've said it, but you, you really haven't done it. Maybe there are some places that you can think of and just your relationship with God as a whole, it's very, it's distant. It's not very close. It's oida, I know, but I don't really know. I don't really know, God, enough that I can trust him. So this morning as we go to prayer, I just want to invite you. Make your, your, your chair an, an altar. Pray at these altars. and Maybe you just need to have a conversation with God. Maybe this morning if you were to confess, there are some things that you need to let go of. There are some things that you need to say, not just with your mouth, but with your heart and with your actions. Jesus, I trust you. I trust you. I don't know what the future looks like, but I trust you. God, maybe there are some areas that you need to say, God, I, a Place. I, I don't have faith in this area of my life and I need you to help my unbelief. I need to go from being having a, a, a distant relationship to a close relationship. As we go to prayer, as David sings, just invite you to find a, a place to, to have that conversation with God. Michelle, Pastor Michelle is going to come and pray for us in just a few minutes.
3: David, will you sing uh, the chorus to that song really quick while people get, get a chance to get in a position of prayer?
2: Lord, I need you, oh, I need you, every hour I need you, my one defense, my righteous
3: God, we need you today. I need you today. God, I thank you for being the way, the truth, and the light. Father, before I can pray for these people in this room, I have to confess to you that I've had a hard time trusting this week. Oh, I said I trusted. And I even think I believed that I trusted. But I didn't trust. God, I ask for your forgiveness for that. I ask for your forgiveness for the times when I just give you lip service. When I just flippantly say, yeah, I know, but. God, there's no buts. You are the truth. God, we thank you for that. We thank you that despite... What's going on in this world? We can always count on you. My argument this week has been, but what if man gets in the way? What if it wasn't God's choice, but man's choice? But as my dear friend, Dr. Johnson said to me, but isn't that the way it always is? Doesn't man always get in the way? But God is bigger. And so God, I thank you for being bigger. I thank you for being bigger than me, than us. God, I pray for those who are here, Lord, that don't even know you, that haven't ever asked you to be in their life, to be Lord of their life. God, I pray this morning that today would be salvation for those who do not have it, that are here this morning. God, I pray that they would confess their sin. I pray that they would confess that they know that they're not God and invite you in to take over their lives. I pray that they would turn from following themselves to following you. God, I pray for those of us in this room that know all the right answers, that know all of the Sunday school talk, that know all the church talk, but don't have an intimate relationship with you that don't know you personally, that haven't let you take over because maybe they don't trust you, because maybe there's pride involved, because they don't know how to. Whatever the reason may be, God, would you take over? Would you help us to become a follower (laughs) with a relationship? Not a Christian atheist, Lord. Who says we trust, but we don't? God, help us. Lord, the way to get to know you better, we know all the right answers, but we don't have the discipline to do it. We need to be on our knees praying. We need to be in the word of God. We need to be in your word. We need to be in life groups. We need to be in fellowship with other believers. We need to have our, ourselves parked here on Sunday mornings, no matter what else is going on in our life. God, this is not about repetition. It's not about saying the motion, going through the motions but not meaning them. It is about relationships. So, God, would you give us the discipline to put ourselves behind everything that has to do with you? Would you help us to elevate you to first position in our lives? God, I know that there are people here that Matt talked about that, that have been kicked in the gut this week. That have been kicked in the, in the gut all month, that have been kicked in the gut all year, maybe even the past couple of years. God, would you help us to remember that your word says to be joyful in those times, to rejoice because we have hardships. Lord, this is not our final home. Help us to remember that. God, we rejoice in the fact that there is something better, that we are temporary in this world, and that heaven is our real home. God, help us to live like that. Help us to to remember that though we may be down in our circumstances, down in our spirit, that we can still rejoice because you are God and you have something better for us, Lord. God, would you be with the people that just need encouragement this morning? Would you wrap your arms of love and encouragement around them? Would you be with those who are sick, who are battling cancer, who are battling other debilitating diseases. God, would you bring your healing touch to their mind, their body, and their soul. God, I, I, I pray for Carola Cook this morning uh, as she has lost her mother this morning. pray that your, your spirit would be close and would bring the family peace and comfort. God, we thank you for the good things that are happening in our lives. We thank you for babies that are uh, born this past couple of weeks and got a rocky start to life but are now out of the hospital. God, would you uh, be with those babies, Lord? Would they grow up and know you at an early age? God, as we go this week and we live life, I pray, God, that we would put our faith, put our trust, you because you alone are God. Help us to remember that we've tried it our way and that your way is always, always better. Lord, we give you the glory for everything good in our lives and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, I know you've heard us talk about this Easter party explosion. We haven't quite come up with the name for it yet because uh, it's going to be completely different than anything that we've ever done before. We are actually going to be able to proclaim the name of Jesus at the gazebo um, on April 19th. So we're excited about that, and we're hoping that you guys will join us right now in prayer um, for what that's going to look like. Um, We're trying to pull the details together and it's going to be a big, big event. We're expecting God to show up in a big, big way. There's details on the back on ways that you can serve. On Easter Sunday here, we're going to have two services, and then at the gazebo the day before um, Easter. So there's ways to pray and ways you can serve. You'll take a look at the back of your worship folder. We want you guys to be a part. And so you're going to hear us talk about it over and over. We've never been accused of over-communicating before, so... Um, We might by the time this is over. We're so glad you guys were here to worship with us today. Uh, John Snyder has an announcement to make. John, will you come on up?
4: That might be better. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, I just want to bring you up to speed on the process that we're in for... uh, our pastoral search. As a recap, you'll remember that uh, Dr. Johnson was elected the district superintendent back in April, and his last Sunday here was June the third, and uh, he assumed that responsibility, obviously relinquishing the responsibility of being pastor of Houston First Church. There was a search committee created. That search committee consists of members from the general congregation, and then partly members from the church board. The search committee has met along with the board on numerous occasions. It's been an ongoing process. I would say that uh, Dr. Johnson brought us uh, 18 or 20 names uh, in these past months that we have looked at and uh, we've gone through the process. We elected to uh, interview two of those candidates and we did that uh, the search committee and the church board we had two viable candidates good men qualified to be leaders uh, in the church of the nazarene and uh, dr johnson had us on monday night with the board and the search committee only the board doing the voting Because the board is the one that will bring a candidate to the church board, uh, to the church for ratification. But both committee and board were there Monday night. Uh, He had us do a straw vote by ballot, not an official ballot, but an opportunity to see where we were in the process. And uh, we had a long discussion. Uh, It was a good discussion. Uh, We took the straw vote. And uh, we did not reach consensus on either of the uh, candidates that we now had uh, before us. I've been thinking of a, of a scripture this week. This is Lent. I've been thinking of a scripture that uh, in the last 60 years I've read dozens of times, maybe hundreds of times. Uh, it is a... Uh, A scripture out of the life of Jesus. He was in the garden alone and he was praying. And his prayer was, because he was in the human flesh as well as divine, the prayer was, O Father Abba, Father, if it be possible if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. I'd never seen the nevertheless in that verse of scripture. I want to tell you there's a sermon there. You could could preach it. It would play in Peoria. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I think we're at that point in our lives, individually and corporately, and as a congregation. So I'm going to ask you as a congregation, uh, in our attempt to keep you current on the process and on what is playing out in this process, I'm going to ask you to uh, covet with me not just church members, but friends of this church, people who attend. You don't have to be a member to, to join in on this. I'd covet with you to pray with me for the next 30 days. Every single day. I'm not saying 10 o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock at night. Your schedule isn't the same as mine. Her schedule isn't the same as yours. So the time is really irrelevant. But a time during the day. It doesn't even have to be the same time. In the day. But you would covenant with me. I'm going to pray. For my church. And I'm going to pray for the process. Of seeking. Thy will be done. In finding who God has for us. To lead us on in the years to come won't be many years until we will have been here a century a hundred years of proclaiming the glad good news that Jesus saves men from all their sins we want this church to go another hundred years with the cross raised high and the banner held high and the proclamation to be the same. Would you join in just by raising your hand if you'd say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Bless you. For the next 30 days, we're going to pray. Let me have a prayer with you as I close this part. Father, we uh, are thankful for your word, and your word is truth. And we're thankful for the neverthelesses in our life. When we work and we strive and we uh, endeavor to do your will. And here's a group of people that are doing that. And then sometimes we have to say nevertheless. Thy will be done. We pray that you'll give us uh, your peace that passeth all understanding. We pray that you'll give us wisdom and direction and guidance and the leadership of the Holy Spirit until we can say what he did was good. When you sent your spirit into the world, your promise was he would not only abide with us as you did when you were here on this earth, but your promise was he'll abide within us and we thank you for the indwelling presence of god's holy spirit in our lives and in this place in his name we pray amen
0: amen thank you pastor john for that uh good word and i know it might feel like that we're in a holding pattern right now but god is doing great things god has done great things and he will do great things And it's because of your faithfulness to him and because of uh, we serve a God that is greater than all these things. And he is the God that is with you and he's going to be with you this week. And I know that God has greater things for this church and this ministry. And I'm excited to see what's going to take place because God's in it all. Go this week in the peace of knowing that Jesus is for you. He is not against you. He is on your side and he is the one that came and he died and he rose again so that we can have everlasting life with him and peace on this earth today and this week no matter what happens in the days to come. Go in the peace of the Lord.